What on earth is that? It seems to be emanating from there, sir. Um, hello? Uh, it's hello. Oh. Hello? Riding the Garage. I'm Corey Cope. I'm Freddie Waff. Hey, for the only the fourth time, fourth time, fifth time we've had a guest on, but the fourth time that we actually had somebody to do a little chat afterwards and talk about a specific movie, and that's Filmnesia, but we'll save that for part two. But today we have, for the, our first time, as far as the discipline in our business, we have our first screenwriter on our show. Please welcome Brent Simons. Yay! Hi. Brent. Hey, guys. Hi, Brent. This is a long time coming because I've been, you and I have been like social media buddies for two or three years now. Yeah. And uh, we, it's been a bit. And so we, go, we got to get you on. We got to get you on. And uh, it just finally worked out perfectly. And once I found out that your most famous project, I'll say, Megamind, was finally coming to a series on Peacock as, along with that. And this was a surprise because I didn't, I knew about the series, but there's going to be a movie as well. Yeah. Yeah. The, it, it, yeah. It's very exciting. It was kept secret for now, like three years, but yeah, the, <laughs> the big surprise is um, it's going to be a movie first that picks off uh, right where the original film left off. And it also kicks off a, a mega, and the, oh, and this this movie's called Megamind vs. the Doom Syndicate, and right. then that'll kick off the the series, which is called Megamind Rules. And uh, yeah, you can literally go from one to the other on March first. Where where is the where is the series going to drop? Um, or on Peacock. On, Peacock, uh, okay. Yeah, and the, as of right now, and this makes a lot of sense, <laughs> well, well, it makes a lot of sense, but it isn't always the case, but the original Megamind is on, on Peacock right now, too, so come March 1st, yes, you're going to find it all there. Now, is it going to be all at once? Are they dropping every episode at once? Yes, yeah, so far, so far, right. yeah, so it's, it's, uh, it's, <laughs> That's the, plan. it's the movie and, and eight episodes. Gotcha. Oh, fun. I have to be mysterious. Yeah, Peacock's kind of inconsistent. Sometimes, like with Poker Face, they they did it every week. They did a weekly release and made it more of an event streaming television. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, so it will be it'll be the event, and then you're and then eight episodes right off the bat. So a whole lot of Mega Mind after after a bit of an absence. (laughs) That is a. I don't know if Corey told you, but this I I saw this movie with my dad. I don't have kids, so I don't watch a lot of these kind of. But my dad, sort of for the last twenty years of his life turned into a big kid so when i would go visit him he was always like hey sit down we're gonna watch megamind and i'm like what the hell megamind what are you doing watching megamind (laughs) all right but so i saw it with my dad and uh so i'm super excited to see this second this second one because uh i feel like you know and i want to credit this to the writing it was very smart and it was sort of 
you know, if you're an adult, you could still enjoy the humor because, it, I mean, if, if I was a kid, a lot of it would have sailed over my head, but the clever writing, oh, thank you. you know, made it really enjoyable for me because most of the time I just kind of tap out on animated things because they're not for me, like, you know, but this was for me. <laughs> so oh, I'm great. very excited. Awesome yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Now that I'm done giving my testimonial <laughs> for Megamind. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. One of the things, the selling points of why the movie did so well back when it was released, and it's still kind of blown my mind, it's been 14 years, because between this and Penguins of Madagascar that you and, and your writing partner, Alan Skograf, wrote together, and as well as uh, you guys had the same director on that too, right? Um, oh, no, no. The Tom directed Megamind. Um, right. He's the voice. So uh, he created the Penguins, and he's the voice of Skipper. Skipper, um, right, right. But he, yeah, he he didn't direct uh, um, Penguins of Madagascar. That was, yeah, that was uh, Simon Smith. Gotcha. One of the things that was such a draw for the movie, obviously, when I mean Will Ferrell in 2010 is, you know, that's that's a big name, and as far as the, one of the biggest names that you were seeing on any animated movies, and you got Tina Fey as well. David Cross, yeah, Jonah yeah. Hill, which is kind of coming to his own. Yeah. But what this time around, all those big names aren't there. So the property is really working off its premise and the, and the writing. But what I loved, I'm like right away when I, I looked at it really close and I'm like, oh, you got to have Keith Ferguson doing Megamind again because he did the game. I, that's what I remember fondly. Oh, is, wow. So, you know, you know your stuff. Oh, yeah, come on. Wow. like I said, man, I got a 17 year old son, boy. I'll tell you, we had the game too. <laughs> so, oh, nice. But, nice. What I'm going to say, it was very bold that they used all these B actors like Brad Pitt and uh, Ben Stiller. Yeah. I mean, those guys. <laughs> where'd you get those guys? They're begging you guys for a job, I bet. You know, uh, you, you got to support the up and comers, you know? And, yeah, man. Yeah, uh, right. You know. Even the background guys need some help every now yeah, and again. Yeah, you know. There are no small parts. Exactly. You got to get back once in a while, right? Mm-hmm. One of the things, too, about what Keith is, and, and this is the thing, when you look at, I mean, people think that, that the name doesn't sound familiar, but when it comes to voiceover work, not just not just animation, but video games, Keith is a staple. He's in, He has done, he's got like 340 credits or something like that from video games yeah. to small feature animation, television animation. He is... That dude has, that guy's got He's a, machine. A, a range. And he, when you, when you think animation and voiceover, you, you, I mean, the, obviously the gold standard is Mel Blank. He's the one that inspires everybody, no matter whether they realize it or not. Yeah. And I really think that Keith has such a well-rounded book of characters that he can pull from. He's exceptional. So I was glad to see that you guys brought him back because he's so good. Yeah, he was like first on like on our list from from his work on the on the on the games. And I think he also did some some commercials as Megamind. And and uh yeah, you're Mel Blank's a good comparison because I mean he's just amazing in that I mean he he would kind of drop in a, a different kind of voice just messing around in the booth and, and we would just be amazed, you know, like it just, he, what he can do. And, uh, no, so it was, it was such a thrill to, to get him back and, uh, and playing Megamind. Being somebody that was looking forward to the movie, like I was until you 
had tweeted it earlier. I had no idea who was voicing the villain of Doom Syndicate. And you guys got Adam Lambert. And not only did you get him to do the very Broadway version of Adam Lambert, you got him to sing too. And that to me is just perfect. Uh, Yeah. Adam, we, you know, uh, we, we just didn't even think that was an option. And so the character, I mean, is a character that Alan and I have had in our heads for now 15 years, keep in mind, you know, like, and, uh, our plan, you know, like, you know, cause you always dream, you know, like, who, who would be this guy? And when we wrote, when we wrote the original dress, script uh, that would become Megamind, we, we said Will Ferrell. Like, wouldn't it be great if it was Will Ferrell? And, and, <laughs> and that happened, which was insane. So for this, you know, like I, like, I remember the conversations we're having 15 years ago like that. Like, oh, what if you could get somebody like Mick Jagger or David Bowie? And, you know, of course, neither one is an option now. I mean, Mick Jagger's, maybe Mick Jagger. I mean, he's still touring. Well, come on, right? do I, something happen I don't know about? No, no, no. I just mean, you know, <laughs> just age and things like that. But I, but then it hit me. It's like, he's doing fine. Like, uh, Mick's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, if I, only if I had his energy. It's, it's the, it's the geniuses of casting that, that were like, hey, uh, you know, we have this, audition from uh adam lambert and um you know it's it's me and several producers and the executives of dreamworks and we we all took it home and listened to it and then the next morning it was just like a few texts of like you heard it right yes that's the one and it was just we were all so afraid the others would you know but everybody was on the same page it was very easy (laughs) like he just kind of blew us all away right yeah, yeah, I can't can't wait for uh, everyone to see what he does with it. Yeah, I just I just put it on my calendar to remind me. <laughs> nice. We took Joey to go see Queen at the Hollywood Bowl when Adam was fronting for him, and I, I, when it comes to those kinds of bands performing, when they they have somebody like you know if it's just standing in for somebody like a, like Freddie, it's it's hard to kind of to. to digest you're kind of go, oh okay whatever and after seeing him perform once i'm like i was like that was it i was like sold yeah and he boy i, I can't imagine anybody else stepping into that that position it was seeing him on american idol you think one thing but really what he's turned himself into his last solo record a couple of years ago before he did the covers last year he just really showcased the Broadway thing that we didn't, we got glimpses of during his time on Idol, but him coming back to this and doing something fun that is performing and not just in front of a crowd or in a, in, in, you know, uh, on a, on an actual album, but to do something that I always knew he was, he could just kill because he's got that Broadway vibe. And the, what I little bit I saw <laughs> on that, on that little quick little featurette, I'm like, ah, this is going to be amazing. I can't wait to see it. Cause he's, he's, I mean, he's perfect villain really. Oh yeah. It like, like, um, and I, I gotta be so careful cause I don't want to give anything away, but right. <laughs> where the story goes with him and why he's there and you know, it's, it's so great. And then, and then we just felt so privileged, you know, to, to catch him at this moment and that he, that he wanted to do it. And, you know, it, it was like, 
we all got like chills, you know, it's like, it's like how they must have felt when like Mark Hamill read the Joker, right? you know, like for the, for the Batman cartoon. And it was, it was, it's kind of like that of like, wait till everyone sees Adam Lambert can do this. And, you know, because it's, it's unbelievable. And he's so, um, and you're, it's funny because uh, my wife and um, and uh, and Eric Fogel, the the uh, the director, and his wife, we went to go see the the last Queen concert here in LA. Um, I forget what stadium it was in, and uh, and he would just kind of like kind of mention it like this. Like he feels like very fortunate to be like you know touring with Queen. You know, like right. and he and it's very endearing. You know, and there's even one point in the show where. You know, he kind of stops and is like, hey, just so you guys know, I know how lucky I am, you know, and that 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 really kind of sums up like Adam's attitude, you know, like like in the booth, like I, I don't think we've ever Alan and I've ever worked with somebody who, who's just such a perfectionist, who's so professional and so kind at the same time, like he it, it, the, like his read or would be like perfect and he'd be like. I, I can do it better, you know, like we're ready to move on. But he he always wants to give what he knows is his hundred percent, you know, and uh, right. And uh, yeah, so it was it was it was a privilege. You got a fine line between being confident in what you do and ha- and showing humility that is feels true. It doesn't feel like yeah. you're just putting on a, a face for the sake of, oh, look at me. I, I know where I'm happy to be. I'm privileged to be where I'm at, but actually truly mean it. Yeah. I, I felt the same way when we saw him at, at Hollywood Bowl. He really had that. Yeah. That, that gravitas, but also that humility, that great, he had a great balance. That's hard to do. <laughs> yeah. He's, you know, he's having a blast and the audience feels that. Like there's, you yeah. can't fake that, you know, and, yeah. and, and he, when he's up there performing and it's, it's just like, you know, like, gosh, we cast him as a live action Megamind, you know, like, right. <laughs> out with these out, he just goes full out, you know, like yeah. it's presentation and that's just what made him absolutely perfect. What did he wear when he would come in to read? I'm just they're, curious. They're just like regular, well, what, did, I mean, did he come in costume? For him, not, not regular costumes, clothes. but no, like he looked, he looked cool. He didn't show up in a t-shirt and a ball cap is what I'm getting at, right? Yeah. He, well, yeah. But at the same time, he didn't like wear a swan on his head, you know? No, like, I'm just curious. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just asking. <laughs> the solo artist that is Adam Lambert presents himself far differently than he does when he's working with others. Yeah, that's for sure. No, I just, I, I just, every time I've seen him, he's so, he's, you know, he's got a certain style and I'm just oh, like, yeah. you know, I'm like, I'm oh, just yeah, sure yeah. he's like he's, that all the time. It's not like I just puts it on for an interview oh, or something. I'm sure. cool. Don't get me wrong. It, he always looks cool. He doesn't show up in like sweats and like, <laughs> right, right, so that's what I'm saying. You know, in a t-shirt and like a baseball cap and, you know, sweatpants. Yeah. yeah I've been at voiceover <laughs> sessions where like, yeah, literally yeah me too. That's what I'm saying. Saying. you're like who is that yeah they roll out of bed yeah <laughs> who's that homeless guy it's brad pitt <laughs> oh, oh sorry oh speaking of brad pitt is it true that he didn't i mean he was in a booth but he did he handheld mike his whole his whole per, her performance in the first in the original movie oh yeah you know that that is something like that that he did you know the director tom mcgrath he's, he's really good with actors um, and, you know, making them feel comfortable and, and, and Brad's thing is like, he, he loved to kind of keep moving. And so they, yeah, they brought him a mic and, and 
he, he stood up, you know, and just kind of like moved around a lot and stuff. And it's just, when you think about it, you know, he's a very, you know, he's a very physical actor, actually. Bro, you know? Brad, like yeah, he, for sure, man. Yeah. So uh, it, it makes sense. When he did, when he's at city hall and he's actually walking around, was that, was that part of the script or were you guys just kind of, did you guys, or was that after he had already done? Cause obviously the traditional way of, you know, doing the voiceover work and then doing the animation afterwards, obviously things have changed a lot over the years, especially with a CG project like that. Everybody knows that Brad's probably big on eating while he's on screen. <laughs> so it's kind of like the, it's like, it's, it's, like the the munchies, VO, it's like the VO version, right. Of him walking around. Cause he's, you know, he, he's not going to be seen. So I'm going to, I'm going to be, I have to get into character somehow because that's something that when I read that, that he had handheld his performance, it just reminded me of that city hall moment where he's just walking around, which is with the microphone in his hand. Oh, when he's giving the speech to, right. to Metro City and he's just yeah, like, yeah. and I love you. You're right. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. What was the question about that scene? It was the... Oh, it was, it was, it was, it was mostly just, com- it was, it was interesting to read that he was handheld. When you think about that scene, my, my question really was... Oh, gotcha. It was, it was that, was that part of the script of him walking back and forth the way he does when he's speaking to yeah, Metro City? Yeah. I, you know, definitely was that he's kind of holding court and, you know, and everybody's yeah. hanging on his, on his every word and stuff. But, uh, but yeah, no, he, it's just moving around and being the character is what he would, he would do. You know, everybody ha- has like a different, like a kind of a different thing, you know, when they right. go into the booth and, and yeah, that was definitely his thing, which was, which was interesting to see. Going back to that, obviously your experience of the development and then the actual production of the original movie obviously differs much more now with when you're dealing with a streamer as opposed to a theatrical a movie's going to be a, a theatrical release like the original had what was your experience between the two things from the beginning i mean without without going down every little detail but from the beginning where you guys pitched the series and the movie, the the second movie, to uh, what it was like when you pitched the original, because your 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 elevator pitch of the first movie is perfect. It's like it's literally seven words, and I, <laughs> and that's perfect. Right. Well, what was the difference between that you guys that you and Alan felt between the two moments of one going from theatrical and then presenting things for streamer? Did you guys have to pitch this? Yeah, we did. We did pitch it. Okay. Um, we so first we developed a DreamWorks approached us about doing a streaming series, and we were like, you know, of, you know, of course. And um, we pitched them what our what we thought a, a, a good take would be, and it was very much kind of the story we always thought of. You know, if we were to do more Megamind, is Megamind is kind of a deconstruction of the classic superhero origin story. It's what if a villain becomes a hero. And that's that's great for a movie, but for a series, you want the kind of an engine for multiple stories. And and we thought like the ending of Megamind naturally led itself to one, which is what does it mean to be a hero? Often superhero movies end with a parade, which Megamind has. Um, the, The city is celebrating you. But is it easier to be a hero? Is it does that mean everybody's always on your side? You know, sometimes being a hero also means, you know, doing the thing that's not popular. And so we thought, oh, you know, it'd be really interesting uh, what a show allows us, you know, where you don't have quite of the the massive budget of a film 
you you have like the ability to tell kind of more personal stories. And so Megamind learning the job on the go and the audience being with him along the way. Right. With kind of modern social media and stuff, we thought it could be, uh, you know, just. Uh, oh, yeah, that's a whole. <laughs> yeah, that could be fun for sure. <laughs> yeah, a lot of conflict and comedy. You can't do that. Right. One of the things that, again, when you have a kid, like with Joey, when you guys dropped Megamind, Joey wasn't even four yet. And that was, I was excited because I really was really liking what DreamWorks had, had done, was had been doing. And you and I had talked earlier today, Brent, about the time when when Guillermo del Toro was kind of creative consultant on the DreamWorks animation projects, starting like around, I think Kung Fu Panda was where I think where it started right around there, right? It's about something about right? I think that I think that's right. And that time is where DreamWorks animation turned this corner. I mean, it did a little bit with, with Shrek and they kind of gave themselves some more credence, but I think this, the storytelling changed dramatically right around when you guys were doing Mega Mind and Kung Fu Panda and How to Train Your Dragon. It was... Yeah, it was all right in a row, yeah. We, and what's funny, because as a goof a couple of years ago, what was our, it was our April Fool's Day episode, I think, wasn't it, uh, Freddie, where we, where we told everybody we were going to be doing Rise of Skywalker and we did Rise of the Guardians instead. <laughs> and, right. <laughs> but that was, I think that was like the tail end, right? That was the tail end of that window where it was, in a lot of ways, when people, people say Pixar can do no wrong, you guys were, you were involved in that series of movies where I felt DreamWorks was rivaling what Pixar was doing in a lot of ways where you were doing things that weren't expected. Megamind, like you said, you know, what if Lex Luthor beat Superman? I mean, that's really funny for that to be made in 2010 as Marvel is ramping up their cinematic universe and taking over cinemas for 10 years. Yeah. I think, I think the first Iron Man came out like the year came in 08. Oh, was it 08? Yeah. Yeah, because I remember I was working in New Mexico when it came out. Oh, okay. I think part two was 2010, right? 2010, right. Yeah, the sequel. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, it, it, both movies had kind of come out during the production of Megamind. And uh, and it was it's funny because, like, Alan and I would be, like, the comic book interpreters. Because <laughs> <laughs> people didn't know, like... Like, there was one point where... An executive was nervous because, you know, Megamind has a big, a big head. He's a villain with a giant head. And they saw a TV commercial with a supervillain that also had a giant head. And we had to explain, oh, well, that's, that's an archetype for superhero villains. That the mastermind, which the original script of Megamind was called Mastermind, the mastermind character usually has some sort of head deformity. You know, like there's like Modoc, there's Baron Zemo, there's the leader that the Hulk fought, and and so we were all, we were constantly doing things like that. And then when, at one point they were trying to, they couldn't call it Mastermind because of the the old board game, so they oh, were right. looking for a new title. Oh, hilarious! We were we were having a meeting about coming up with a new title, and there was a bunch of people there, and somebody had said, "I've got it, I have the perfect name." Brainiac. <laughs> That's so good. I had to raise my hand and go, oh, actually, uh, yeah. <laughs> there's a wow. very That's hilarious. famous Superman villain 
called Brainiac? And and somebody and one of the executives was like, Yeah, but is he a, a famous villain? I'm like, he would probably yeah. be in the sequel. You know, like yeah. it's a matter of time before we see Brainiac, and it's crazy we haven't. Oh, that's hilarious, man. But now, like, and you know, 14 years later, less than that, like my mom knows who Rocket Raccoon and Groot. Yes. <laughs> I never thought I'd, as a giant comic book nerd, I never thought I'd live in a world where the Guardians of the Galaxy are known by everybody. Like, and, you know, not only that, they're like probably the biggest, right, Marvel property. Right, probably. Uh, Movie-wise, for sure. Yeah. Gunn figured out a way of... And he did it with the Suicide Squad, too, where he, he took yeah. such a smaller, lesser-known property and made it probably the best. Well, he definitely made the best of the DC movies of the you know of the Snyder-esque era, that kind of thing. Oh, for sure. And all three of the Guardians movies were probably if my favorites of, of that, of the MCU. Yeah. Part three is definitely my favorite of the last seven or eight that they've done. Yeah, it's great. I love those when you have the right people working on the project that know what they're doing and they have that ultimate love for it. That's where you get this because for you guys to have two characters like Titan and Megamind and for for a lesser extent Metro Man, like I said, it's, it's there's archetypes that are going on there. If Megamind had come out in 2012, 2013, even 2014. Do you think that 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 crowd would be like, well, that's not even, I don't know that name. I don't know what that property is. I've never heard of that before because they got exposed to characters, comic characters that they had never heard of before. And then, be, then they became interested in the printed version of these things and, just, and then it kind of grew out. I mean, that's, I can say that for me, like getting the Marvel app that I got you know, and, and have subscribing to that. I mean, I, I learned so much about comic books and I don't want to say I was the, the guy that was, you know, making fun of nerds. I just didn't get it, you know, early on, other than right. obviously Donner Superman. I, you know, I got that. <laughs> that was, that, that hit me at the right time, but it's amazing to take a, a property like you guys created from the ground up based on all your, your comic book knowledge, your upbringing, and putting it into a movie that it was a stroke of luck to get the names that you had because it was a driving force. People, Will Ferrell was unstoppable. Oh, yeah. The thing about the money that the, the box office you guys did was was so driven by that. Yeah. And it's a moving. It's moving. Like, you you feel for Megamind through the whole movie. It's Oh, thank you. Yeah. And I yeah. also feel that, like... Your, your script lended to, I mean, it just that sort of, it became cool to do voices for these movies. That's why you got yeah. Brad Pitt, Stiller. And a lot of that, to me, is because of the writing is so good. It's like, you know, why oh, wouldn't, I mean, you know, why wouldn't they want to be attached to it? So I, I got, I'm just thinking about you having to tell that guy that Brainiac was a character. <laughs> cool. Now, everybody's comic book savvy. Everybody's comic sure. book savvy now. And, and, uh, that, and that's a wonderful world to live in, you know, because... Right. Being a kid in the 80s, you know, like yeah. collecting comics, like you, you had to have a thick skin. Oh, yeah. It's a different world now. It's a different oh, yeah, world man. now. I'm going to give you your great. next million dollar adaptation. You should do Checkmate. Oh, Checkmate. Yeah. Nobody's done oh, it. Oh, man. 
So go for it. Dude. Just thank me I'd later. I'd love to do a check. <laughs> yeah. That's a deep dive. I, I don't know why it was one of the first comics that I kind of got into when I was 17 or something. I, my friends worked at a video store that sold comic books and, you know, they were all buying like the what if Marvel ones. And, you know, I wanted to be different. And I was already sort of had DC, some DC comics. And I found the first ep- the first issue of Checkmate and I bought it. And I was like, this is cool, man. This is <laughs> like cool. Mission Impossible with superheroes and, you know, the yeah. whole task for it. It's just, you know, again, and most people still don't know what it is when you say it You're like hey oh, no, it's underrated yeah yeah i think they brought it back yeah. a couple of years ago and uh yeah. right they did i remember there was a like sort of i was that like 2017 2016 something like that i remember yeah. we were shooting uh, uh i was working with a bunch of comic artists and they all knew who checkmate was shockingly so it was kind of groovy but yeah i think there was a reboot of checkmate but it, it still needs to be a movie <laughs> yeah no absolutely <laughs> It tells a little bit more uh, to also how you and Alan met and how you guys became writing partners. Yeah. So um, Alan and I met at Emerson College in Boston. We were we were roommates and I it was awkward. It was an awkward introduction because I replaced his good friend and former roommate. (laughs) Ivan and I feel bad. I feel bad because uh, so I guess there was some housing mix up, and so Alan gets to school, and I was a transfer, and all of a sudden, instead of his good friend, he finds me, and uh, me, dorky comic book kid with my Genesis and Peter Gabriel albums, <laughs> and he's got Poison and Motley Crue. And, uh, and his first words to me were, where the hell is Ivan? <laughs> what have you done with Ivan? <laughs> right. But we, we ended up becoming really good friends. And, yeah, so after one semester, uh, we were only roommates for one semester. Then he moved out to L.A. And um, I was like a year, a year or two behind him. And, uh, and so, but we kept in touch. And... Uh, I eventually moved out to LA, you know, right after graduation and Alan immediately got a job with his idols, the Coen brothers and Incredible. got a job working on, um, let's see, what movie was it at the time? I think, Oh, it was, I think man without a face. Uh, is that the one with Billy Bob Thornton? It's a barber. Yeah. He was on it at that point, but, uh, Oh no, it was the big Lebowski. So <laughs> he got a job on the, he basically was the assistant, the Coen Brothers assistant, ran their company, got his dream job as they were out here filming. I think it was the Big Lebowski. They offer him a job, so he moves to New York just as I'm moving here. I get all of his shitty, fr- I get all of his shitty furniture, <laughs> and Ivan. Yeah, and I right, and so you know it, it was uh, he. He immediately gets his dream job. I'm struggling and I'm temping and I'm working as an assistant to these horrible agents who like yell at me and send me to LAX for brand muffin during rush hour. And, and he's working for these like <laughs> two cool laid back, you know, auteurs. <laughs> I visited him on set once. And, uh, you know, I, and this was probably after my boss is like spent an hour yelling at me for uh, accidentally hanging up on them. And, uh, you know, I'm on, on the set with Alan and uh, one of the Coen brothers, I think it was uh, Ethan or somebody, he, he walks by and he goes, hey, Alan, uh, can you give me the newspaper? And Alan's like, yeah, sure thing, Ethan. 
And then Ethan stops. He's like, hey, you know what? I don't want to bother you. I'll get it myself. And I never. <laughs> That's, you know, like, it's like, that was his job. So, um, and I had to go back to my job getting yelled at. But, uh, no, so we, uh, all that time, um, we would write over the phone and stuff, write scripts. And um, we initially wrote a horror movie that got us our, our, you know, a manager. And we had to tell him, you know, comedy is really more our thing, uh, even though we wrote the script that you liked. Um, and so we literally were banging out ideas and we wrote the the line you had mentioned, uh, would have Lex Luthor killed Superman in the opening scene was a was a sentence we wrote in a notebook. And right. we just wrote it in a notebook, came back to it a couple of months later, started laughing. And that night we beat out all the story beats from Megamind. It's like That's the great. fastest, uh, you know, not, we didn't have it completely figured out, but we had like the major points right. that we wrote down and we immediately, this is going to be a blast to write. And, um, and yeah, so we wrote it and um, it got us our agents, but it, it didn't sell. It got us a few gigs, you know, and enough enough to get us in the Writers Guild. But we were really struggling. And, and so a period of years go by and, you know, the money we made writing these kind of doing these little script assignments, you know, kind of run out. We quit our day jobs, we're kind of gambling on ourselves and uh, we're kind of in a dark place. And uh, we met at Starbucks one day. We realized we had to do something. And so um, I had just had to borrow money from my parents to take my wife out for an anniversary. <laughs> Alan was thinking about going to bartending school so he could pay the rent. And we kind of decided, hey, we know we have to do these other things, but we're going to keep at the writing thing, right? And we both agreed we would. And so that night, my wife and I Keep in mind, this is three years after we wrote it. My wife and I are having dinner at this restaurant, um, and I get a phone call from somebody at DreamWorks congratulating us that they're going to make our script. And I was like, what script? <laughs> and they're like, Megamind. So I call Alan, and he's like, yeah, they called me too. We kind of thought it was a prank, which goes to show you the kind of friends we have. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> of course, that's the kind of friends you have. Right. This has to be an elaborate, cruel prank. And we kind of knew the guy at DreamWorks who called us. And we, we had kind of a jokey relationship with him. But we're like, this is borderline cruel. Finally, our agents called. And they were upset that he had told us. So what had happened was there were so many almost with Megamind over the years. Like There were so many points where it almost got bought or somebody was almost going to do it, that they were afraid to tell us. Wow. Because <laughs> they, they knew what we had been through. And oh. they wanted to make sure it was a lock before they told us. And it wasn't quite a lock yet. So uh. I got no sleep over that weekend. Yeah, literally, um, I remember it was like that, that Tuesday, you know, I was in a, a, a comedy troupe performing with some friends. And uh, right before I was supposed to go on, I get the phone call. And, uh, you know, I'm wiping away tears because it's like, oh, my God, thank God. Because, you know, my wife had just been laid off. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, wow. Uh, it, it was it was just one of those moments where it's like, you know, something had to happen. And, uh, and, and thank heavens it did. 
Dude, that is so Hollywood too. Like for them, like yep. all it's the like, saving, a- sparing your feelings, and then and then the last death blow. They're like, oh, hey, congratulations! What? <laughs> oh. Yeah, it was it was just one of those moments where hold like, on, goodbye. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we'll call you back Monday. Yeah, we're like something needs to happen now soon, or we're in big trouble, and. Uh, that's awesome though, man. That is, uh, but that's Hollywood, man. That's how it is. Right. Like yeah, one minute you're right? like, God, I got to pack up. I got to get out of here. I'm going to move. I'm, I'm going to go string barbed wire in Montana. And the next yep. thing you know, somebody comes <laughs> and says, Hey, look, we just green. Which is you. an honest Congratulations. trade. Yes. It is an honest trade. I would do it in right. a second. <laughs> I might be doing it if I don't get a job soon. I might live in Montana. <laughs> stringing barbed oh, wire and true. doing this, you know, on the weekends. There you go. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've heard stories not unlike that, where they have a great pitch, great meeting. We're going to do this, get in their car. They're driving down the street. They're barely out of the parking structure and get a call from their agent. Like, so we're excited. He goes, ah, they're going some, going with another, another guy. Yeah, dude, you can't hold a candle to having a job all the time as opposed to being in our business where it's so precarious, especially when you're on the freelance side of things, uh, which is basically what you are when you're an actor or a writer or a director or like Freddie working as a production designer. It's you're always chasing the next meal and it's a difficult thing and it's not made for everybody. No. And I just spent my enough time of my life early on in my early twenties chasing the, the 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 writer lifestyle, and uh, I had to pivot out of it. <laughs> it's it's rough. So when I hear the stories, I'm like, oh yeah, I know, I know what you're talking about. Do you yeah. know, Brent? You just told us your Tonight Show story. <laughs> yes. You know, it's funny because that's basically like the story. You know, you do all these generals when you're a writer, right? You kind of yeah. you you have meetings with you know, production. And they want to know, you know, how did you guys get together? And so it, that story kind of, and it's all true, you know, like it's, it's, uh, but it, it's almost like Alan and I have it rehearsed. Like if he were here right now, we, uh, we just naturally have points where we like trade off, you know, sure. we kind of got into it last night. We had the cast and crew screening for, for the Megamind, for Megamind versus the Doom Syndicate. And, you know, we just kind of told, cause a lot of people didn't know, just like, this thing that we're here to celebrate tonight just started off as like a spec script we wrote and, you know, we were struggling, you know, and, and so, you know, it's always, Megamind's never just a gig to us, you know, he's kind of like family in a way. So anytime we get to kind of like bring him to life is, uh, you know, is, is, is a pleasure. Wait, you're saying he's not real? <laughs> he's real to me because he pays. Oh the yeah, rent. well I hope so. He pays yeah. the rent, right? <laughs> he pays the rent. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> so yeah, he, he's he's he, he's saved saved my bacon more than once. Uh, <laughs> he is a hero. I mean, in he every is a hero. sense, especially my parents. Right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> Wait for that loan, that payback. Right. <laughs> my uh, anniversary dinner. So me and the lady could go to Sizzler. You guys just had, you guys just celebrated your, your uh, anniversary just very recently, right? Yeah. I, Cause I remember because it was the night that I couldn't go to go see Werewolves Within at Vidiot's 
and a mic and knowing what your what your wife <laughs> has written as an author, I said, I remember saying, I sent you a note saying, hey, you guys want these tickets? And you guys were out that night at New Bev, I think, right? Celebrating your anniversary. Right. We were at the New Bev seeing uh, Airplane and Top Secret. <laughs> oh, no yeah. way. <laughs> yeah. Hi, my name is Hillary. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, I'm waiting for you to finish it. My name is Hillary. I'm, am I supposed to finish it? Whoever. Just jump. <laughs> Never mind. Stop. Oh, <laughs> Sorry. I'm ashamed. I get distracted. It means girl whose bosoms defy gravity. My name's Nick. My dad thought of it while he was shaving. Oh, right. Right. <laughs> I'm, far more, I'm far more averse in an airplane than I am in Top Secret. So. Oh, yeah. I know. I'm going to start okay. a fight. So, See, there's, there's sometimes when we're doing our show where I, say, I don't say certain things because I, I know what kind of reaction it's going to garnish from Freddie. So I, don't. I like airplane. Dude, I watch air, I can watch airplane any day of the week. No, I know, but I'm not looking for the abuse. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, sometimes you ask for it. I no one. I'm always envious. I'm always envious when someone hasn't seen a movie. You know, like right? there is that attack thing. But then right. I'm, I'm I'm always like I'm always excited for the person, right? Like it it's yes, yes. always. That, and that's what we are about the show too. That's why we pick some of the movies that we pick. We we were yeah. we want to revisit them, but we're like, oh man, it's gonna blow people's minds when they see this. And 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 it's those episodes, those movies where we're so super apprehensive when we do the episode. We like we don't want to ruin something for somebody. I'm like, oh man, just watch it. Yeah, it becomes that thing where we're not talking about much. My favorite thing is when I go somewhere. I just did. I mean, it just happened to me. I just went and saw Drugstore Cowboy a few weeks ago at Vidiots, and. Half the people in there hadn't seen it. Wow. And I was like, God damn it, I'd like to be in your head right now. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. as much as I love the movie, I would love to like have it erased and then watch it again. You know what? I have never seen Drugster Cowboy. I'm putting oh my that God. on the list. There you go. That's yeah, one of mine. It's, it's, it's one of those movies, like if you, you, when you, yeah, I don't know. I mean, God, yeah, please see it. And then we should, you know, then we can talk about it. But I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's one of those movies. Like, and I feel like that way every time I go, I'm always like, I love that they ask for a hand raise of people who are seeing it for the first time. Oh, yeah. And it's like, and then I kind of get distracted watching their reaction when I know something is coming that I want to see how it affects them. So it's, it's a little distracting, but it's also awesome. Cause I mean, well, I've seen that, the movie. That's what's so, so great about, like being a movie fan in Los Angeles, because you, yep. you know we have all these awesome theaters that show old movies, and we have like, we have like, you know, there's a lot of young people at these screenings. So like, I mean, I, talking about videos, I had two awesome experiences at videos. So I saw a movie I'd never seen, uh, One Eye Jacks. Oh Vidiots my god, with, it's with, my favorite. <laughs> oh my god. It's amazing. And, and so I'm the guy who raises my hand when, when, when she came out and asked, right? Right. And the movie blew me away. Blew me away. It's, it's now one of my favorites. And then um, last week, me and some friends went to go see The Guest. Oh. And, which I've seen numerous times. I've never but seen it. We were surrounded by people who had never seen The Guest. Oh. And it was very exciting because you were like, you're there with people who are just, and it's a great movie if you've never seen it before. Uh, you know, it's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great movie to be surrounded by people who've never seen it before. And it's, uh, it did not disappoint. Yeah. I have a bunch of coworkers that 
were talking Downton Abbey and had never seen Dan Stevens away from that show. I saw him first in the guest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, same, same. And I yeah. said, oh, I got something for you that's going to, it's going to blow your mind. And then I was just getting texts. So I'm like, oh, you watching the movie? <laughs> What the hell are you making me watch? This is incredible. I would have never watched this if you didn't say something. I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah, you can. And he chews. Oh, my gosh. He's so good. And the bar scene alone is just oh, so good. So good. Yeah, he's he's fantastic. I, I I like when Dan starts popping up and stuff. Like, What was the uh, the thing he did with Will? He did with Will Ferrell. Uh, you know, the Euro, the oh, Euro yeah. music. Oh, God. What the hell was it called? Uh, Blanken. That was fantastic, and that 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 was a pandemic movie, and it was so great to have it. Your it was Eurovision. Eurovision, yes, yeah, yes, he was phenomenal. In He's that. Yeah. so great in that. Oh my god! And yeah, it wasn't until like a year ago, and I'd already seen it once, but the live action Beauty and the Beast, I had no idea he was the Beast. Oh right, that's right. <laughs> and he's in um, yeah. he's in Con- the new Congress Godzilla. Oh, is he? Okay, right on. Yeah. Yeah, because it's directed by the guy who did the guest. Yeah. Oh, right. Because they're, they're longtime buddies. Okay. Yeah. Have we all seen Mice Once? Oh, yeah. I have. Yeah. I've seen it. Okay. Yeah. It's incredible, it's nice. right? Loved it. Loved yeah, it. Dude, yeah, dude. Like, like I said, the best movie I saw last year. Yep. Yeah, I think same. It, it's, it's amazing how somebody took something that we've been in love with for 70 years and did something with it that hadn't been done before. Yeah. I, dude, I'm, I was blown away. Like, cause I, I gotta say I'm kind of cynical and I was like, man, I thought it was just going to be crap. Like Godzilla versus Kong and uh, the Godzilla from 2014. I was, I was prepared to just be like, eh, whatever. And, uh, 10 minutes in, I was like riveted. I, I, I had to go to the bathroom the whole time, but I did not, I wouldn't get up. I was like, nope, I, I was literally right. like, you know, I did not want to get up and miss one second of it. I did, I jumped oh, okay. the first time Godzilla showed up. Like it was a jump scare. Like the first time it reminded me of Jurassic Park. The first time that like you see the Tyrannosaurus, you know, in the lightning. The park. Right, right. right. I, it, it made me jump. I was, and I don't usually, you know, I'm like, eh, okay, the lizard's going to, he's going to come in. And, but I literally jumped and I was like, I knew that I was watching something special. Yeah. yeah, they made they made him scary, which is really yes. like I I'm a god I'm a Godzilla fan, but I recognize that a lot of them are crappy. Right. Like you know, it's it's like other than the fir- very first original Godzilla movie, they're all kind of like dumb fun. Right. Yeah, other than that original one, and and this one is perfect to stand right next to the original like right. yeah man you could watch them back to back yeah and 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 the original's really haunting you know the, when you when you watch the japanese version of the uh, right. the dubbed american one right. and it's it's so cool like my my wife and i we saw it two times and the second time we went to go see the black and white version of same of that's same thing with us one. too yeah Yep, and man, that worked. Like yep. usually, I think that's a gimmick when they take a movie and because they did it with like Logan and Mad Max Fury Road, and right. it's like right. it's it's interesting to see. But I almost think that's my preferred version. Like it works so well. Yep, and and just kind of added to that sort of post-war effect for me. That right. um, yeah, it might be the version I go with. That's how Ooh. we saw that. That's how we saw it the second time. We saw it the second time like that, and but it was the wife's first time seeing it was was in the black and white uh, version, the minus color version. 
the production designer version is the color. Knowing version. that it's knowing that it's basically a prequel to the fifty four one, right? And it that being black, the only other black and white Godzilla movie, it makes it just it's just a perfect leader. But like Freddie said, that first moment that you see him on the island, that's that's something we had never seen before. Yeah, because it's like, oh man, he literally was a T Rex size Godzilla. Yeah. They kind of like took that Skull Island Kong kind yes, of he's approach. the protector of the island kind of thing, and I thought that was so clever. But but again, just as much as the original was so haunting, so was this. Yeah, they didn't like beat you over the head with the fact that this is this is post bomb Japan, and they, it was there. It was clear what they were going for there, but it was so so good. I loved his design too. Like, yes, I think it's my new favorite Godzilla design because it just, he, yeah, they it just made I'm him with look you. really but menacing. Yeah, he looked menacing, and it's funny because it was weird because I feel the same way. Like he's menacing, he's scary, but there was a point where I didn't want him to die, and I knew he wasn't because it's a prequel to the right. original. But I kind of felt pity for him, like at the end, you know when. Right. What happens, happens. Yeah. I don't want to blow it for people who might listen to this and not know. But, I mean, obviously, he didn't die. But I kept thinking, God, they can't kill Godzilla, man. He's Godzilla. When, <laughs> I, yeah. I, so it's yeah. crazy because you have because you, you feel, and it's good writing, because you, you, you feel yeah. for everyone. You feel for yeah. the human side of it. But you also feel for Godzilla because he didn't ask to be this, you know, this abomination of what he already was. I, I thought it was a special movie and I, I didn't see the black and white version. I've seen the color version twice. Um, but I really love the color palette and the way it looks like a 1950s, um, like a cinemascope sort of, uh, Vista, Vista vision, sort of that, uh, the color palette. It's beautiful. I, yeah. I, I mean, it's amazing. So, I mean, I'll, I'll probably see the black and white eventually, but I mean, I just think that they, they pressed all the right buttons, which is amazing to me oh, because yeah. it never happens in movie making that yeah. everything is dead on perfect. For the first time you hear the, the gods of the queue, that, that was oh, just yeah. right. Oh, I mean, man. crazy. Yeah. yeah. I, I had heard about this movie a while ago that, you know, like a new, like full on, you know, like a, like a, you know, Japanese Godzilla movies coming out. And, and, uh, I like Shin Godzilla a lot, but love Shin's fantastic. Man. Yeah. I, if you were to tell me one of my top five films of the year in a year, that's been, I think pretty fantastic. Yeah. It's going to be Godzilla minus one. I, right. I, I would have no, been like, I, really, I, I would have <laughs> bet you, I would have bet money against myself, uh, that I would put it in my top five and let alone say it's the best movie I saw last year because I saw almost everything, Yeah, but I really only saw the only movie I saw more than once was Godzilla minus zero. Yeah. yeah. No, I immediately wanted to see it again. Yeah. Yeah. And and we saw like, a, my wife and I saw a sneak preview and I, I was, and, and so I'm like, am I crazy? Is it, is it as good as you think it is? And I was telling people <laughs> the next day, I'm like, it's, it's great. And they're like, what? I'm like, no, it's like, like even my friends who aren't into Godzilla, I'm like, I, I think you, I think you dig this. Like, it was hard for me to describe it when we were talking about it on Kickstart. I, I was just like, it's like if you took Godzilla, 
but made it like built around something like the longest day and like a traditional like World War II human drama, like from here to eternity. It's like, that's just the, that's just the, the location. That's just the key moment to draw you in because it's really about the humans throughout the whole thing. Kind of what they're trying to do with the 2014 one and didn't quite reach what they wanted yeah. to do with it. Yeah, I mean, like the you know, I find the, I find those movies fun. I think I think the the Kong Skull Island is like my favorite of the, the newer agree. movies. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's great, and that has this whole Vietnam allegory to it. But yeah, this it's like I mean, it's always a it's always great when you could like take Godzilla out of the movie and you'd still have a pretty interesting right. movie right. about trauma and you know what war does to people. You know, right. like, absolutely, and countries. I, I love the whole, the United States aren't coming here to help. That's the only time we really get a lean on that was when they said the U.S. isn't coming to help. Right. MacArthur, like, yeah. yeah. No, we're, afraid of the, we're afraid of the Russians. <laughs> we're not coming. Sorry. It sounds right, right? Sure. Nah, I'd buy it. Just think of Gregory Peck at that moment. Nope. <laughs> the, the idea of what kamikaze pilots would go through and to put all that on one person and the way and that burden he carries of of everybody's disgusted with him. Wait, aren't, wait, you're a kamikaze pilot. Why are you still alive? Yeah. And th- so not only does he have his own shame, he's just getting browbeaten ever from the moment he comes home. What a comeback for him. What a just reclamation of his of his soul that he has that he's been carrying this thing around for four or five years and so cool about it it was like it didn't just happen in a short amount of time it was just over months and years to get to that point where Godzilla comes back and does what he does yeah it's really it's it's a fantastic movie and I I don't I haven't talked to one person that has seen it that didn't go wow that is not what I expected yeah yeah it's fantastic. Hey, before we move on to the next portion of the show, I just have to say when I was looking, when I looked you up, uh, you know, to make sure I had knew what I was talking about when I had to ask you questions. So it said we had one shared uh, connection, and I was like, "What the hell is the shared connection?" I want to know. Do you know what it is? I think I, I, I think I do. I think I think I, I think Corey might have told me. Oh, that we were both we both played angry wrestling fans. Yes. Oh no, no, that, that was that was a different person. No, here's the thing: it is angry wrestling fan. But I was on the set while you were shoot while they were shooting. <laughs> I I was working in the art department and I put up all of those fucking towers of lights. I put I put every one of those fucking uh, lights into those thirty foot high panels that were in each corner of the room so i was there on set while they were shooting the whole thing and when i saw that you were angry wrestling fan it made me laugh i was like holy shit out of i was like that's our shared connection that that spider-man moment wow <laughs> With, uh, you and me and like 200 other people and the crew yeah yeah but here's what's funny i didn't know that <laughs> oh yeah what Brent and I talked about earlier was the fact that my buddy Paul and my coworker Rudy were both part of the wrestling group too, but in totally different locations that didn't know each other. That's hilarious. So crazy. No, it, it was, uh, I remember, I think, I think they put a note in all the comic stores in Los Angeles that they were looking for extras for the original Spider-Man movie for the wrestling scene. And anyone who Yo, knows Spider-Man, yeah. 
And, you know, years we've been looking for a Spider-Man movie. You know what the scene is. You know, it's this, it's an important scene to the whole mythos. Yes. And we, me and a bunch of my friends, we went down there, spent the entire day uh, watching Randy Macho Man Savage. Yeah, you know, body slam Tony McGuire's stunt double. Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell. It was it was it was like a nerd a nerd mecca that day. It was just everybody. It's so funny because I spent about three weeks in a scissor lift or in a boom lift putting those lights in one at a time, and you know, they they would cut the panels and they were in sections because they were so big. So they they would have sections done, and we we tried putting together on the ground, but they were too heavy for them to put up. So. We had to take them all apart, and then they had to put them up in sections, and then we had to go up with, you know, six at a time or whatever it was in the basket, and it wasn't quick work, <laughs> but Oof. I was, the, uh, the guy that was in the boom, he knew nothing about Spider-Man, nothing. He's like, hey, I don't give a fucking paycheck, dude. Last week I was on Mighty Joe, <laughs> I don't give a shit. Um, but, you know, I was like, dude, this is going to be the opening scene. This is going to be like a pivotal scene in the movie. This is where, this is where it all begins. And then he was like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> I remember just sitting with this guy in a basket, like for three weeks, you know, as he was like grumbling about where he was going to go when we were done with these lights, what show or where it, well, I don't even know what my next job is. Well, I'm like, okay, man. Wow. So yeah, it, it brought back a bunch of memories when I saw it and I was like, I got to make sure that I mention it um, because it's kind of random. The running joke for um, set dress, like for the crafts people was uh, Spider-Man, everybody in town worked on it. But now what I realize is everybody in town did work on it. <laughs> Outside, you know, you, I mean, Corey's for like all, all these, like I, I've run into other people who are like, oh yeah, I was an extra and you know, I was part of the, uh, I was one of the lab technicians and I'm like, really? Holy shit, dude. I worked on that lab set forever. Wow. So yeah, it's pretty funny, man. So where can folks follow you online? Let's see. I'm Matt Brent Simons at, at Twitter. I'm, I'm bad. I'm yeah. At Brent Simons <laughs> on Twitter. I'm bad at this. My, my wife is like my, uh, she kind of like instructs me on how to use all this stuff, but yeah, you can, you can find <laughs> me there. Uh, I'm on the on the Instagram. I think of the same name. Yes. yes. See, you called the Instagram too, because that's yes. what I do. <laughs> yes. Because we're all over than 22 years old, so we call it the yeah. everything. Yeah. Oh my! And oh, I'm on the TikTok as well, but I don't know how to use that. I think right now it's just the Megamind trailer. My wife, my wife, kind of helps me out with that stuff. I'm on Twitter uh, for the time being until you know it goes insane. <laughs> So everybody, if you're listening to us on the day of release, then you can check out Peacock and you can check out the new iterations of, yeah. of Megamind. Yeah, please do. Again, it's it's one of those ones that if you need a refresher, Megamind's right there on Peacock for you too. So you can kind of do a, a just spend your whole weekend just taking it all in. And it's it's I can tell you it's a we're very affectionate towards the, the movie and the short that came on the Blu-ray very much so. I can't wait to see this. I've been excited for it since you announced it. God, it's almost been two years, right, at this point? Yeah, it was since it was announced, but we've been yeah. working on the show for like seven. Yeah, so it's <laughs> <Crazy>. been long. <laughs> it's that, been a the, long. Uh, yeah, the COVID effect, right? Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. And if you don't have Peacock, get, get it. it. Yeah. Been waiting? Here's your excuse. So you want to follow the show on the socials, you can follow us at Karate Pod on Twitter, 
Insta and Letterboxd. If you want to follow Corey on Letterboxd, it's Corey underscore Culp. And on Instagram is Culprit97. And if you want to follow some other socials and other linkage, you can look at the bottom of our episode show notes under Karate in the Garage linkage, and you'll find everything there. If you'd like to follow me on Instagram, I'm at rockandroller33. If you'd like to follow me on Letterboxd, I'm at Tom Cody on Letterboxd. If you'd like to follow me at Blue Sky, it's the real John Ladd at Blue Sky. <laughs>